kind of symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it? What were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. When I got out in 1989, we had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Greetings and salutations, fellow Skywatchers from all corners of the globe. Welcome to Skywatchers Radio on this lovely March 25th. 2015. We are live once again on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio, broadcasting live from New Logic Studios in Miami, Florida. I'm Angel Espino, as always, with me on this fantastic voyage is the other guy. Alan, how are you, my esteemed colleague and friend? I am... I am coping with reality. I am having a great and amazing day, and I am looking forward to a great show tonight. And boy, do we have a great show tonight. You know, normally we say that, and it turns out to be, like, pretty good. <laughs> sometimes it's really good. Well, so, but... well, sometimes it's not so good, but that's all your yeah. fault. No, 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 no. In fact, if anybody has uh, an opinion on whose fault it is, please call in, 785 or 786 786- <laughs> Two four five eight one two seven again seven eight six two four five eight one two seven no no but tonight we really have a great show for you we have Robert and Betty Luca on the show and uh, they've become famous as a result of the Raymond Fowler book the Andresian Affair a full okay. version of the story is uh, on his podcast if you guys want to listen to off to, after the show with him actually uh, going over the entire thing. But it's an amazing abduction case. And I'll tell you what, of, of the many cases and reports and alien abductions, this one really stands the test of time. Uh, Betty and Robert Luca. Uh, is just, this is going to be an amazing, amazing show, folks. And what about Ridicule, Betty and Barney Hill? There's two, but you might not have heard of this. And this one has been around for a long time and has really stood the uh, test of time. And I'm really interested in, you know, the abduction side of things when it comes to aliens and the UFO phenomenon. Because I think that's where we can really kind of narrow down what what might be really happening. You know what I mean? Especially on some of these that are really legit looking like the Travis Walton case. Betty and Barney Hill. Betty Luca. I mean, these are some uh, some big, big cases here, you know? Oh, no, no, yeah. These, some of these are the quintessential, like, really, you can't deny it. And here's the best part. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard it or not, but it's, yep, yep. it's it, you know what I'm talking about? You know where I'm going with this? Nope, nope, I have no idea, but I just like saying, yep, no. Yep. Uh-huh. Oh, okay, you're saying, yep, yep. You know oh, where I'm going man. With this? You know what? Who knows? Maybe we can petition the as they're doing the reboot for the X-Files for them to actually have this as one of the episodes. That's a good idea. That's, why not? Petitions work. Exactly. 
They do. Apparently, apparently, they really do. They do. You know, I mean, unfortunately, they couldn't get Ben Affleck kicked out of Batman versus Superman. But you know, these things happen. I guess we're stuck. It's it's early. It could still happen. You know. No, they're halfway done through production on that thing. So for the next sequel. Well, who knows? Who this knows? Is how this who, one turns out. who knows? Who knows? For all you know, the Human Torch could become Captain America. I mean, it's it's just possible. That is very scary. Very scary indeed. But it, <laughs> it has happened before. Exactly. Weirdly enough. But let's not get on a superhero tangent here because this show is about ufology and Correct. we have a great, great show tonight with a, a really cool uh, couple of uh, folks that are going to join us. A really cool guest. Uh, That's in, right. This show is about fact, not fiction. That is correct. We are Realism Radio for the Masses on Skywatchers Radio. That's and right. part of the realism that we have to deal with with the entire UFO phenomenon is the abduction scenario, Alan. You know a lot of folks in the UFO field, and you, you know a few folks that have been abducted. I mean, you're, you've been friendly with Travis for some time now. and Correct, yeah, and there's a you, couple of other people. I, right. some, uh, some of them don't want to be named, but there are, right. you know, yeah, there's definitely some people that don't really want to talk about it, even though it's actually, you know, they believe, and, you know, with some of the evidence, I believe it's happened as well. Um, I mean, there are people there that, you know, they talk about it, but, you know, you don't really believe them. But then you find out that, you know, after going through a CAT scan or doing some radiology, you know, x-rays, there's stuff in them that shouldn't be there. Right. And that's a really scary thing, too. So, mm -hmm. Implants. That's another scary topic. Well, yeah, especially when it moves around when you're trying to get at it. It's as if it's an intelligent piece of metal moving around. Well, you know, supposedly a lot of the implants, or some of the implants uh, that have been um, found, have uh, properties that make it look like they're symbiotic with the host in a way. Correct. Yeah. That I mean, that's scary in itself because well, we're we're nowhere near that technology that we know of. Well, who knows that who we knows know of? What's true? The question is: is who's what's living inside of you? The you know the implant. Edition. I mean, they always have that. Uh, what was that show on? Uh, I think it was TLC or Discovery. You know the, um, you know the, you know the monsters inside you or monsters inside us. And they talk about the tapeworms and all the other bacteria and viruses throughout your body. But I wonder mm -hmm. if they, you know, I wonder if it's time to do like a, the Alien Edition. You know what, what would be a really, you know, what would be a really scary thought. Go I, ahead. I just they just hit me when you said that. No, tell me. It wouldn't it be a scary thought if we one day discover that we're all inside the butthole of some giant creature that's just floating in space somewhere? Yes, and its name is called Cthulhu. That's not cool, man. <laughs> but 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 we hail. But Cthulhu. but exactly. We we all hail Cthulhu. Oh man! Sorry, folks. If you've never <laughs> read H.P. Lovecraft. Excellent, excellent author and some really, really interesting perspectives on what and who controls the universe. Yeah, man. Indeed. I gotta read more of Lovecraft. I really haven't read much, much myself. I'm so busy reading all the great authors that we have on this show. Not just the authors, but some of the news things that have been going on in the world. Yes, uh, and speaking you know, of today which, as well. uh, what is new in the world of ufology, Alan? What is on... The news 
Uh, let's see. The most imp- interesting thing I found uh, this week was is uh, the statement of don't really invite extraterrestrials because odds are they're going to come to destroy the Earth. Well, duh. Isn't that what like Stephen Hawkins was saying? Didn't we just talk about that last, last Exactly. Show? Now, yeah. if you look at the article um, that I sent you about it, it's actually an interesting article to say the least. Uh, where is it? Uh, I don't know if you clicked on it or not. Well, let's see. You should have just uh, sent me article by article. You sent me like a, you yeah. bombarded me with articles. By the way, you asked for it. I'm sending you the interesting news. Okay? Yeah, but you know, one at a time, man. You know, one at a time for a dime. I got to go through all these articles live on air. All right. Well, here we go. This is actually from you know the where Boston it is. You, you go for it. Yeah, go ahead. It's the one from the Boston Globe. It actually says a group of scientists from California recently unveiled plans to advertise Earth's existence to space aliens and yeah, invite that's a big them mistake. to visit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah man, yeah. that's bad. In all reality, the prospect should terrify anyone familiar with the history of imperialism and conquest just on our own planet. Here, civilization, when it considers itself superior to a lower one, the usual result has been enslavement or massacres. And obviously, aliens would probably treat us just the same. And it's really, really cool. Uh, I, I love the cartoon. It actually, you know, they put on a little graphic of an alien with a fork and a knife. And uh, I'm looking at it. Bu- yeah, that's that's very yeah, scary. a whole bunch of scientists in the hibachi. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, How that's, to that's, serve humans exa- for lunch. You know, that was a great, great episode of The Twilight Zone. And God rest his soul. You know Richard Keel, the guy who played Jaws and who played that character, actually yes. died this past year. I know, so, I know. You know? I, I posted it on my uh, Facebook. Oh, so yeah. sad. It, it was a terrible thing, you know, but, you know. Hey, this week, happen. you know, these these things. I, we've lost a lot of actors uh, this year, actually. And, uh, you know, Nimoy recently passing away. I mean, that was just, uh, you know, tragic. Yeah, and and funny as it is, I believe it. Um, it's not oh, funny about that, uh, Alan. No, no. What's what's the other Star Trek guy that just died? Uh, not Richard Pyler. Um, one one of the producers just passed as well, uh, oh, really? who was really involved in um, everything but the original series. Um, oh, I not damn Braga, it, I forgot his name. Berman, whatever their names are. Yeah, Brandon Braga. Really, Brandon Braga died. No kidding. I, I think it was him. I don't know. It was one of the majors that always has produced by right before directed by, you know, in, in all of them. It, yeah. I don't think it was Ron Moore. No, it might have been Ron Moore. Mm, no, I don't think it was Brandon, uh, Brandon Braga because I'm looking at his uh, page line. It says he was born on August 14th, 1965, and he is still alive. The show's okay, yet, so it's so. not him. Okay. All right. So that was an interesting article. You know, we folks, we should not advertise that we're here. We should stay off the alien radar. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I mean, th- seriously, it's kind of ignorant for us to think that, uh, oh, just because they can travel from uh, one galaxy to the next, they're going to be peaceful and humble, and they're going to be welcoming us, and they're going to bring us all these great gifts of technology, and they're going to save humanity, which is like the big thing in a lot of these groups, right? Uh, that we're right. Claim the aliens saying, oh, you know, we have all this great things to give humanity once you're ready for it. What if they're really just, you know, uh, savages, and they want to eat us? I think they might not be savages. We're just meat anyway. Exactly. Well, you we're, know, ju- we're savages. We, you know, we came out of the jungles not long ago, and some of us are still living in the jungles. And I mean, who's not to say that there's not jungles in space, and these creatures just find a way to travel through the cosmos? Yeah, but yeah. They're still savages, their, you know. Yeah, I'm just like, what's their version of a barbecue like? You know, it's like yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm just not looking forward to that. Alan, you have know, you ever thought about becoming a rotisserie chicken yourself? No, I'd right? no, can't say that pleasant. I have. You know, this you know, yeah, or no. here, here's here's a good question. 
Um, how That's many a horrible are, image, by the way. Hold on. How many abductees can you fit into an alien's meal? And the answer is, is it depends on how high the blender is set. Is that supposed to be funny? Like, I don't know. I wasn't going to go with the dead baby joke, so I was going to go with the alien abductee joke. You really need to work on your comedy. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, folks. And if you want to, if you want to revise my jokes, please call in to our number or or send us a blast through the a hole for it. Oh man! Okay, uh, uh, another interesting, another uh, interesting just, news piece. That ruined that article. Thank you. Sorry. <laughs> another interesting news piece, though, was that uh, Jimmy Kimmel actually had Obama on uh, on his show, and they were talking about UFOs. And he, you know, Obama's just like, "Well, I can't reveal anything." Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't. I'm, but he's I don't supposed know to be nothing. the disclosure president. Right? Yeah, exactly. The disclosure um, yeah. president, isn't that what sure. you know they've been saying for eight years now? Well, did you hear? Obama just actually signed an interesting new uh, executive memorandum that the White House itself is not privy to the Freedom of Information Act. They could deny whatever they want to. They don't have to release that information. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Yes. It, that actually would, way, make, it would make sense, though, uh, for national security purposes. Oh, come on. Yeah, but... All right, fine. Um, It's um, like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What happens in the White House stays in the White House. Sure, and nobody told Hillary or no one gave the order to delete emails for Hillary Clinton. Right. She's not a very popular lady, I guess. I don't know. All right, let's see. Uh, by the way, all these articles are going to get posted on the website, obviously. Eventually, yes, yes, yes. Actually, there is is one article that I really wanted to get to here. and. um, It's from OpenMinds.tv, uh, our good friends at Open Minds. Right. Uh, and now you saw this, uh, the uh, the mysterious flash in Russia caused by a UFO. You saw that video, right? That was last week, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. we posted that last week, right? Yeah, 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 we did. Did you see the video, though? Have you seen it? Because you didn't see yeah, it before. Yeah, I, I saw the video, yeah. What would you think of the video? Um, Initially, I thought it might be heat lightning. Uh-huh. You know, but I, I, I'm, I'm still not sure what it is. I, You know, it's unexplained. Why? What do you got? Well, no, I was looking at the video, and I know last week we didn't really have a good chance for you to, to take a look at it while we were well, doing the you know, show. It, so. it, obviously, it's not CGI. Obviously, there was something there, but you know, it could be heat lightning. You know it what it reminded me, though? It reminded me of Close Encounters. Okay. Oh, when, when the ship is flying clouds. through the clouds and the lights yeah. are blinking on and off? Yeah, I, I could see that analogy, yeah. But, you know, see, the funny part is, is that the lights were rising from the bottom of the cloud going upwards. So, and it was multiple flashes in the same area. So, you, you know, I'm not buying that it was. I'm not buying the answer that it was a meteor because it wouldn't have multiple flashes. That's a good point. You know, so I don't know what it is. Well, it's definitely mysterious. Whatever. The Absolutely. Hell that is. Now, there's a story here that I, you, you linked me earlier. The Northern Lights observed on Mars. Yeah, how's that for? That's cool. Yeah, check this out. A NASA spacecraft orbiting the red planet has detected a mysterious. Aura there reaches deep into the Martian, Martian atmosphere. Uh, the MAVEN mission observed these Christmas lights for five days leading up to the 25th of December of last year. That's cool. It happened on uh, Christmas. Uh, right. Follow la la la. I don't think yeah, Santa's out. That's Santa didn't like the North Pole. He got a better real estate deal on Mars. I mean, come on. Well, you know, they were shooting probably a Doctor Who there. That's what happened. Oh, uh, that's scientists- what it is. And scientists have also discovered a dust cloud uh, at high altitude, which does not match predictions. Uh, the preliminary results were pre, uh, presented at the 46th uh, 
Lunar and Planetary Science Conference in Texas. The mission was designed to help solve the mystery of how the red planet lost most of its atmosphere and much of its water and other uh, volatiles. Uh, which we, how can we know with the technology we have what happened there millions of years ago or whenever it happened? You're right. Yeah, I don't understand all the money they're spending. Uh, unless it's all one big ruse, man. Wow. Now, the question is how much water has been lost into the uh, crust and how much has been lost into space. Wait, what? Think about that. How much CO2 well, has been lost to the crust and how much into space? Right. Said Maven's chief scientist, uh, Professor Bruce Jakowski from the University of Colorado in Boulder. Uh, now, that's a funny statement there because there is an old UFO lore or, or mythology I read somewhere a long time ago in a galaxy far, far near. Um, I, I can't remember <laughs> the dude's name, Zechariah York, I think it was the guy's name, or something like that. Right. Uh, he's one of these cultist leaders types. And, well, anyway, and part of the stuff that he put out there, part of his manifesto or one of his books, was that life originated on Mars and part of the water that was on Mars landed on Earth and you know that's how life got here through the waters so what it's like skipping like a stone skipping across the water a meteor skipping the across the galaxy it Something hits like that, Mars right? and keeps on hits Mars gets a little bit wet from Mars and splashes onto Earth and yeah, well, you know, well, like, well. we all enjoy getting a little wet here and there the uh, bright ultraviolet aurora glow seen by uh, Maven in December spanned Mars uh, northern hemisphere auroras known on Earth uh, as the northern or southern lights are caused by an energetic particle such as electrons uh, cascading into the atmosphere and causing a gas to glow. Although Martian auroras have been seen before by Euro uh, Europe's Mars Express spacecraft, what surprised scientists was how deep in the atmosphere this occurred, much deeper than at Earth's and uh, anywhere really else on Mars. So uh, this is uh, interesting on that level. Why so deep there? I don't know, but I will sidetrack the whole entire conversation for a little bit. What I okay. found interesting is, is there's a funny theory floating around, and Brooks Agnew would love me for pointing this out, that the reason that we have the Aurora Borealis and Aurora Australis is because of the inner sun inside of our planet is actually having streams of plasma discharge just like sunspots. Or, you know, solar flares, and, uh, you know, it, all the auroras are coming from the inner Earth out of the North Pole and South Pole. Yeah, no, I no. totally believe that, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> you sound convincing. I'm on board. No. Yeah, I'm on board. You, you sound convincing. You want no. to again? Um, yeah, no. Not, well, you know, it's like the flat Earth uh, theory. No. I'm on board. Yeah, flat Earth. Yeah, you know, there was this really big iron, and, you know, we were running it on I'm on board iron. on all these crazy no. theories. Why not? Well, you know, it, it's while I don't believe in a hollow Earth theory, I got to admit, I do believe, and I think it's more than realistic, that there are such large cavities inside the Earth that can support life and probably do, because there's enough evidence that points to it, not to mention oral tradition. Mm -hmm. That I, I, oh, I I'm I with you on that. Yeah, no, I, I do think that there is a possible a possibility that there is uh, caves that go deep enough where uh, you know civilizations can hide out if a major disaster happens, and maybe they have in the past. Maybe that's where we originated from. Who knows? We haven't really found that major entrance. I know the the entire thing over the uh, the poles and 
Major Bird, Admiral Bird, whatever. But you know, in, in all honesty, we still haven't found a way in there. And if we even if we could, you know, I don't think we could actually get in there, honestly. Uh, but the thing is, uh, you know, I don't think the way the planet is shaped. If you really look at the planet, I don't, I don't see how that would be possible. There would be a, a hollow Earth. But like you, I agree. I think there could be pockets of places on the planet where, yeah, we could probably be in there or something major happened. But I look, mean, they if, have they have a place in Viet- they have the cave in Vietnam where the opening it goes pretty is deep. Ma- yeah, not not even that. It it it's it's not even deep. It, you know, I just saw this on uh, National Geographic where they found a cave where the opening to the cave is not even two garage doors tall and wide, but inside it looks like a quarter of Manhattan. And it's got its own biosphere. It's got trees that don't need sunlight in it. It's got lakes. It's got life in there. And Here's the thing, though. If the planet's getting bombarded with asteroids or, hell, you know, the end of the world is here, man, would you want to go down there and really just live down there? And how long would you be able to stay down there, really? Well, it depends uh, how much I was prepared for it and how far advance warning I needed or how I had. I don't know. It's just in the seem like a like a great idea. You know, I'm going to bring my harem of women. It's like people who it's like people who have bunkers and and stuff. It really, it, what if a comet hits the the like the planet? What's what good is your bunker going to do? Well, if you scor- if the Earth Earth is scorched, you know, obviously there'll be fallout, and obviously, you know, things will grow again eventually. Do you want to be a part of repopulating or not? Yeah, but really, what if your neighborhood is hit by a comet? Oh, you're toast. Exactly. Bunker you're or toast. no bunker. You know what I mean? So, yeah, good luck with the bunker. You know, good luck. It's like, what what's if, the joke? You did. You did. Just lie down, because you did. What you know? Remember, like in 2012, when the the planet, like all the the crust, like went all haywire. What if that happened? Um, I is, think what, that we. What good you is know, your bunker? Yeah, but funny as it is, if you watch that movie 2012, you know, even though they had those ships and everything and they survived, there were other parts of the world where, because of altitude or because of shift, other people survived as well. Yeah, but I guarantee you, nobody had bunkers up there. Well, I'm sure they did. It happens yeah. over in Texas and like. You know areas like that's where like the paranoid people live in. I think. No, 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 dude. There's. I'm sorry. I got it. I got it. <laughs> not trying to mess with Texas. I'm sorry. I'm trying to mess with. No. There are more. It. There are more people across the globe that have these survivalist type of intentions and no. bunkers and things like that. I mean, they have the globe. They have the global seed bank in Sweden. They have. You know, there's all sorts of stuff all over the world. So don't discount out. it. I'm not going to discount. It. I'm just not going to get one. It's you know like. Okay. A, uh, you know what? I'll be the like the Woody Harrelson character. Uh, I'll be the guy in the tower, just uh, broadcasting one last time, baby. Yeah, the world is ending. <laughs> it's like that's it, baby. Here yeah. I am at the top. I'm gonna get blown. I'm at the top of the world. <laughs> Done. <laughs> All right. Now, but so, going back to this uh, Mars article, check this out. The, the but the findings says here, uh, the findings uh, make a degree of sense because the Earth retains a global prototype. Uh, protective magnetic sphere, Mars lost its one billion years ago. This means that the high-energy particles streaming in from the sun makes direct strikes, penetrating deep into the atmosphere. Now, how do they get to a billion years ago? And I'm not a scientist here, but how do they determine it's been a billion years? I have no idea. They've got a calculator uh, that's better than ours. What can I? What can I tell you? I, I, I you know, sometimes you know, scientists come, you know. The Big Bang is still a theory. 
Evolution is still like a the, theory. Yeah, it's like they we just don't throw have numbers all out the there. Answers. I don't think we have any of the numbers. I think this is like a one big joke they just keep playing on people because they just throw numbers out there. Oh, I'm the planet they, is. I'm thinking they're they're rolling a die. Yeah, and whatever number it is, it's that's it. Yeah, we it's got like it. the planet is 4.7 billion years. How do you know that? Were you here 4.7 billion years ago? No, I mean Nobody they're knows. using radiocarbon dating for. Yeah, but even that's flawed technology. You're right. It's probably it probably is. I don't know what you that I don't know what piece of Mars they're using to carbon date, but you know what you I know, mean. No, no, I, I agree with you. It's you know how are you doing the math? But then again, you know while we have all these people about that were abducted, and we have all these people that have had UFO encounters and are into this phenomenon, why don't we get a guest on the show that can explain that to us? That'd how be about a great that? idea. Yeah, it's a great idea. And if anybody's listening that knows someone in three or four degrees of separation that can get us someone like that on the uh, show, definitely email us or call us and let us know, and let's get it done. I wonder who actually would uh, be uh, you know, willing to come out here and then discuss that with us. I mean, who would be out there that we could reach out to? I mean, there would be no science like that because I mean, uh, that's, that's hard science, I guess. It would have to be, right? I mean, technically, I do have someone. But um, I really don't want to. I don't want to yank him and and beg him and plead him for the show. Well, you should. You already brought it up. You might as well. Hmm. That's going to be your task for the week, Alan. Uh, well, make, I, make it so. I, I, I can't. I, I I can't guarantee that it'll happen straight away. But I have someone that that it might that might be good. Um, He's a PhD science advisor for a whole bunch of shows uh, like Defiance and Falling Skies. He was consulting on Gravity, uh, Battlestar Galactica, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, so um, I might be able to reach him. Uh, you know, uh, hmm. nah. as the saying goes, make it so, number one. Hmm. Now, as that happens, yeah. Uh, moving on to the next story here on the uh, okay, go on the uh, stream here. Uh, baffling why shape on Venus may f- uh, finally be solved. Uh, now, you brought this to my attention, right? Uh, it says here the strange, and I haven't read this before, so it's going to be the first time I read it. Ooh, it's in English. Good for you. Yeah, I'm going to try real hard here. It uh-huh. says here the strange mystery of the giant Y seen in the skies of Venus is. Uh, for more than 50 years may finally be solved at last. This colossal oddity may be caused by a new kind of wave in the solar system scientists have found. Venus has long been mysterious to astronomers uh, because thick clouds hide its surface unexpectedly. It's like a greenhouse effect on like bananas, right? Really right. Is. Unexpectedly, uh, when scientists uh, tried learning more about this world by looking at the ultraviolet wavelength of light, they discovered the dark anomaly shaped like a Y. The flux capacitor. No, I mean... <laughs> whose stem rests along the planet's equator, this huge structure nearly covers the entire planet with arms more than 10,500 miles. That's uh, 1,700 or 17,000 kilometers. That's a... That's pretty long. That's big. That's uh, huge. Yeah, it's pretty big. Uh, that's what she said. Anyway, uh, long and stern, also what she said, about 11,900 miles. That's pretty long also. The so-called Y feature 
has puzzled researchers since its discovery more than half a century ago. At first, scientists thought it was simply a group of clouds blowing in the wind. However, data from NASA, uh, the NASA's Mariner 10 mission in 1973, revealed that the structure may, may not only be moved like a single entity, but also traveled at a different speed than the environment itself around it. Hmm. Interesting, Interesting, huh? Very. The dark structure is made of still, what it's still made of, it's still unknown. It's some unknown compound uh, that absorbs ultraviolet radiation, uh, obscuring the area where it gets concentrated. Tracking its movement uh, helped investigators discover the super-rotating nature of the Venetian atmosphere. While Venus takes about 243 Earth days to complete a spin on its axis, making it the slowest rotating planet in the solar system, the atmosphere of Venus spins more than 60 times faster than the planet in uh, the planet's surface. The most extreme case of super radiation or rotation in the uh, solar system. So it's like super rotating greenhouse effect to the max, and it has a flux capacitor in the middle. Venus rocks, I'm just saying. <laughs> I like Venus. Like we should like all move to Venus and just you know, just yeah, start man. smoking. I don't know. What do you say? I'm just gonna let you talk because I'm just not even gonna go there. So you 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 do what you, you know, think you need to do. Who came up with the whole uh men are from Mars and women are from Venus stuff? Like do you know who that was? I don't know the author. Can't say I, I know exactly who it is. I but know. I wonder. I wonder if there's any truth to that. Makes sense, right? No, it doesn't. Hot air. Yeah, look, hot air, empty space on Mars, hot air on Venus. Just saying, <laughs> folks. If you want to send in uh, harassment complaints, uh, all the feminists that are harassment complete... complaints. Well, yeah, you know, you know, you men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And, well, yeah, yeah, you know. it's a legitimate question. Like I said, ladies, if you are a feminist and you want to call and complain, by all means, please do and give them a good what for in here, too. Give me hell, ladies. I might enjoy it, actually. Now, <laughs> is there any other stories uh, that we have on the uh, on the agenda there before we have to go and move on? With Let's see. Anything agenda? else that really stood out besides, well, bright spots, the bright spots on series could be water volcanoes now is what they're saying on that uh on series, but you know that's about it. Uh, anything else? Um, it's been kind of a slow, like week when it comes to like ufology. Yeah, it, it really has. Like, Although I did, find, I did find an interesting article where you know unigalian life different from that on Earth might exist on Saturn's moon. And Cladius uh, reveals NASA scientists, which was interesting. I don't know if you want me to go through that one for, uh, for everybody here. Yeah, go oh, for it. Why not? You actually, it no, I got a better one. I got a better article that really stood out. It is from the Inquisitor. Um, uh, you know NASA true. employees saw a nine-foot-tall alien with astronauts in the space shuttle. Evidence of a military alien uh, alliance? Uh, that's the lead title of the article. Uh, some online UFO websites are revisiting a strange case of Clark C. McClelland, a man who claimed in 2008 that he was a retired spacecraft operator with NASA's shuttle fleet at the Kennedy Space Center in Florida from 58 to 92. 
Uh, McClellan claimed that he was involved with more than 650 NASA missions, including the Mercury program, Apollo missions, uh, launching the ISS, and space shuttle program. While skeptics have dismissed him as delusional, uh, UFO and alien <laughs> enthusiasts yeah, have, do that all the time. Yeah, have taken his disclosure with a characteristic uh, cred credulity. Uh, the, See, it's not that easy, story, huh? Yeah, I know. His incredible yeah. story has a profound impact American. on the ET UFO disclosure movement and the historical development of alien UFO conspiracy theories since 2008. Um, let's see, on July uh, 29th of 08, McClellan released a story on his website, the Stargate Chronicles, in which he claimed that he once observed a 8 to 9 foot tall extraterrestrial interacting with NASA astronauts during a space shuttle mission that he was monitoring from the Kennedy Space Center. Uh, while monitoring uh, a top-secret DoD mission uh, from the Kennedy Space Center Launch Control Center on a 27-inch monitor, he saw something he was not meant to see, which was the alien. Two arms, two hands, two legs, two feet, a slender Humanoid. torso, and uh -huh. a proportionate head sitting upright on two legs in the payload area of the shuttle interacting with two tethered uh, NASA astronauts. He also observed the spacecraft of the aliens stabilized in safe orbit near the shuttle's main engine pod. He claimed to observe this uh, unusual interaction exactly one minute and seven seconds. Uh, he's also denied that he might have been mistaken in his observations uh, and claimed that his expertise uh, in visual recognition of crafts created and flown by the human race you know, whether secret or otherwise, he was more than one. Oh aware. my so, god! Um, I don't know. It's um, I don't know. Well, they're gonna. You know, obviously, they're gonna go after his credibility. That's well, the first yeah. thing. You know, that's the first thing they they do. They uh, whether or not he's telling the truth, it's one. It's another one of these cases where yeah, it's a great story, mm -hmm. but where's the evidence? Well, he, here's another part of the article which says McClellan claimed that he's a personal friend of. Uh, NASA's Edgar Mitchell, uh, the pilot for Apollo 14, and right. obviously, as we all know, sixth man, to, sixth man to work uh, to walk on the moon. Uh, he's made alien Mitchell, as we as we all know, he's actually made some unique alien and UFO disclosures of his own, including the actual statement of ninety percent uh, are ninety percent are sure of uh, how did how did he phrase it. Um, He's sure that 90% of the many thousands of unidentified flying objects or UFOs recorded since the 40s do truly belong to visitors from other planets. Yeah, um, but that's based on, and this is my argument with Mr. Mitchell, uh, based on what data. I mean, I want to see the data that he's basing his, uh, his calculations on. Who knows what math? Same math as we're you know four I mean? billion years old. Yeah, it's the yeah same exactly. Thing. Like I, this is this is where we want to get at on Skywatchers Radio. I want to see the data when it comes to these numbers, right? Because you know, honestly, I mean, yeah, but you could put numbers out there, but okay, where's the information to back it up? You know, I honestly think with all the photos, and, and hopefully, and hopefully, it's not like oh well, you know, we could count. Uh, they'd see if Zechariah Sitchin's work as part of the information, or uh, Eric von Donikin's work as part of the information, or uh, or you know Stan Romanek's you know in story as part of. It. I mean, don't give me their stories and say oh because you know this is what they're talking about. It must be you know that's the data. That's not you know that's not evidence for me. You know what I mean? These, especially people like Stan Romanek, right? Alien in well, the window. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you though, this guy has interesting credentials. I mean, you know, he's got a verifiable background with the uh, with 
you know, there's no federal government agency that can deny he didn't, they didn't, that he wasn't working for NASA. I mean, he's, they can verify he's worked with, uh, Mercury, Gemini, Apollo, Apollo Soyuz, Skylab, Space Shuttle, and Deep Space Missions, and the ISS. Um, you know, he's received character substantiation from Walter Cronkite, uh, Major Donald Kehoe, the NICAP director, Richard Hall, um, I mean, the guy's got some serious credibility in working for NASA and what he did in NASA. So, you know, it's hard to toss him to the wind. really is. Oh, I agree. It's It's tough to toss it into the wind. But again, uh, we have have to see more information into this before I can say, okay, there's truth to this. You know, I'm not an easy sell anymore. Well, none of us are, so you know. Yeah, we're we're all a little bit uh, jaded, to say the least. You know. Yeah, you ain't kidding, man. You ain't kidding. Uh, uh, look, we're going to go to break in a couple of minutes here because we do have guests coming up here in about six minutes. Okay. Uh, but uh, there's one more story that I don't think we've gotten to yet. Which Extraterrestrial one? abduction day is March 20th. Did you know that? We yes, passed we passed it. Yep. 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 Now, yep. and and this article actually, I, I had no idea it was March 20th. That's a new holiday for uh, for all of us. Yeah, we should Extraterrestrial start abduction it. day. Yay! And it's right after Friday the 13th. Which, by the way, was my mother's birthday. Oh, really? How's she doing? She's doing really well. Really Good well. to hear. Good to hear. But March 20, uh, or this Friday they passed uh, five days ago, uh, and uh, let's see, it says here, marks the uh, extraterrestrial abduction day, the absolute coolest and most random holiday ever, right? <laughs> Don't expect to ever get a day off, though. Instead, you should probably spend that Friday trying to avoid getting abducted by aliens and anally probed. Why can't you just say you were abducted and not go to work? Well, if you call in and say, yeah, I was abducted, I'm on a ship. You're gonna have to like. I mean, I mean, what are you gonna say? Well, I was abducted, and you know, I was I, abducted. My, it was my bum bum truck. still hurts. You know? <laughs> I was abducted by aliens. Then they threw me in the pickup truck and took me over the border. It was terrible. It was a bad. Experience. Now, check this out. Now, you may not believe those who say they've been abducted. I believe a lot of them, and some of them are a little bit loony. But you, you know, you could take the good with the bad, right? Right. But you should always have an open mind. Now, those who have survived the abduction attempts uh, or who are briefly abducted sometimes get dismissed by the naysayers, the nasty debunkers, who think they may have uh, hallucinated the experience or even dreamt it, right? Now, right. Don't, don't tell that to abductees, though, who are, you know, the people going through this experience. In fact, here are the five alien abduction stories that, well, very, they may actually make you pause for a second and say, you know what? There's some truth to this. Well, it's not that there's some truth with it. There's too much evidence to say it didn't happen. Well, there's too much, uh, I wouldn't say evidence, but there's too much circumstantial evidence. Okay, fine. Circumstantial evidence. Until I see a breathing alien, there's no real evidence. But uh, the number one case on this list uh, is Betty and Barney Hill in 1961. That is the number one abduction case on this uh, list here. Number two on the list, the uh, Pasagula abduction in 1973. Pascagoula abduction, 1973. I have no idea how to pronounce that one. I'll just let I, you try it. I, I think I did a, I did service to it. I think it's Pascagoula. I think that's exactly how it's pronounced. Well, folks, if you want to call in and correct him, please, by all means, call Pascagoula. in. Pascagoula. Yeah, no, I think I think I nailed that one, actually. Right, um, see, that story is about two co-workers who claimed they were abducted by an unidentifiable craft while fishing. Another reason not to go fishing anymore. <laughs> uh, number three on the list, and I thought this would be number one, it was the Travis Walton case in 1975. Right. Wow, that's shocking. You and know, it's the 40-year really? anniversary now. 
Yeah, that's kind of weird. You know, it, it, it's you know he he's wow he's sixty two now. Oh wow. Yeah. Getting older, man. Sucks. It was it's crazy because that happened in seventy five. I wasn't even born when he was abducted. Well, how old does that make you feel? Very. All right. And he was twenty two years old. Sorry, Travis. You know, I didn't want to put you out like that. We have to do something nice for Travis this year on his birthday. Uh, number four in the list: uh, Frederick. Hey, I'm gonna Valinich. 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 Yeah. And that was in nineteen seventy eight. And that picture looks like it was taken in 1925. Holy crap. Right, and, well, it's from the Sightings TV show, so, you know. But anyway, he was in Australia flying over the Bass Strait. You know, he radioed to the traffic control to let him know he was being shadowed by a UFO that was about a thousand feet above him. Um, You know, and it emitted a green light, and he alerted them, and he had engine problems. And he's, like, screaming, it's not an aircraft! And then, obviously, they caught on the audio some really weird metallic scraping sounds and lost contact with him. Four days later, he showed up I wonder thousands of, of that, miles away. I wonder if part of that uh, story is what they use for um, uh, Dark Skies. Remember Dark Skies, uh, the, the one season that it aired? Oh, uh, yeah. That was that was actually a really cool show. Oh, that it was. It was. But I remember the very pilot episode, the pilot that goes up to the UFO, and he's broadcasting back, and then he just flies off and disappears. Can't say I remember the opening pilot, but I'm sure we could download it legally on some. I, t- I some own site. it legally. Oh, really? You'll have to yeah. get it, you'll have to get it to me. I will do just that, my friend. Now, number five on the list: Whitley Strieber's 1985 communion, the true story of his abduction, uh, made the f- number five on the list. And I'm not going to go through all the details on all these because you know we know a lot of these already, right, guys? You know, you're in, you're into this stuff. So you should know a lot of these. Mm-hmm. You know, now. Speaking of Whitley Strieber, though, that's a very uh, well-known case. Correct. Yes, it is. I mean, and, well, you know, he, he he forgot. You know, you also got to realize that you know he actually had because of his story, he had a really great popular book. You know, it was on the bestsellers list for New York Times, and you know he, you know, it's he that gained him some serious notoriety. Anyway, um, I have no other. Uh, it doesn't give you the next link, man. You know how the, at the end of the article you go to the next page? There's no right. next page on here. Nope, that's it. Down. It Supposed wasn't be... top ten. It was top five. Oh, I thought there was, there was going to be more. I was looking forward to more, but I, I can't believe Travis. Num- really, number three. Travis is number three. I don't know. Yeah, that's you know, crazy. There might not me, be. Any, there might not be any particular order that they put it in. I don't know that's how true. they ranked it. I, you know, don't forget we're a little bit biased because we know Travis. So, you know, that's true. That's true. But, I mean, look, there hasn't been a, a movie about uh, Frederick Valnitsch. Mm, uh-huh. Probably you're right. I can't say. I can think of one. There was a fire in the sky, though, with Travis Walton. I mean, I'm just saying. That's how important it is. Well. It's an important case. I'm just saying. Guys, we're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to have Robert and Betty Luca on the line, and we're going to talk about their abduction scenario and their abduction case. And uh, I've been looking forward to this uh, for a week or two now uh, since we are a week late on it. But uh, this is going to be awesome, Alan. Are you ready for this? I think I'm ready to listen to what they have to say. All right. We'll be right back on Skywatchers Radio. Everybody, if you want to call in later on, 786-245-8127. We'll be back on the Dark Matter Radio Network. And...
professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions, providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology, preventative maintenance and networking support, hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Don't forget, everybody, to catch Future Theater live every Monday evening at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern, with your host, Bill, that's me, and Nancy. Hi, Karumba. Burns, and we are broadcasting live on the Dark Matter Radio Network. Breaking the walls down. This is radio. This is what people want. To download the podcast, make sure you go to www.futuretheater.com. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application, Mobile Talk Radio. Imagine having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. You'll be surprised how easy it is to use. So I think what's going on here is that Obama is banking on unemployment falling. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. TalkStream Live now available in the iTunes App Store. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. This is James Swagger, host of Capricorn Radio. I'm also an author, engineer, and researcher. Capricorn Radio covers alternative history, alternative science, philosophy, and truth-oriented discussions. We are proud to be on the Dark Matter Radio Network, live at 8 p.m. Saturdays, Eastern Standard Time. You can catch extra info on darkmatterradio.net, jameswagger.com for yours truly, and capricornmembers.com for the archives. Don't forget... Truth is not democratic. Truth is truth.
All right, everybody, we're back on Skywatchers Radio right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network. And we are live with open lines. But please, don't call in just yet. I want to get the story that we're going to go over. Uh, I want to get this out before we actually take uh, phone calls because it is yeah, an amazing you, story. Yeah, you need to hear this, folks. You, you really, 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 need, really to need to hear this. It's, just, it's an amazing, amazing tale. Uh, what happened to these folks uh, is just uh, it, it's phenomenal. It's bananas, really, when you hear the details. In 1978... Bob Luca was told by elders, you don't die, while his wife experienced the alien being firsthand. Bob endured the government's harassment and extreme invasion into their private lives. FBI agents visited Bob's place of employment to question co-workers on his whereabouts. The couple have also suspected that their phones were being tapped, and often, till this day, they still are having experiences like this. Welcome to Skywatchers Radio, Robert and Betty Luca. It's a pleasure to have you on here. Oh, thank you so thank much you for having us on. Yes, thank you. Appreciate it. Now, that was a brief, brief, brief summary Short of synopsis. your story. Yeah, a summary of your story. I want right. you really to tell the audience listening in uh, the details of this because it is a, an amazing abduction scenario, uh, abduction yes, story. I think so. Bob should really well, every, what's going on. Everyone when did this start, with... Bob? I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't catch that. When, when was when was the, the, this first started for you for you folks? Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to go back even further. Actually, this all started for me in 1944. Okay, uh, I was a child. It was during the war. I was living with my grandmother and my mom. My dad was overseas. Uh, I saw a light in the sky that came closer and closer to where I was on my swing set in the backyard. It turned out to be a craft which stopped above and to the left of my swing set. It emitted a very thin beam of white light, about the thickness of a pencil lead, which struck me in the forehead. I couldn't move. The craft, as it tilted, it had a domed glass top, and I could see two, what I called two little people inside at the time. Now, they gave me a message uh, mentally, and they said they were preparing something that was going to be good for mankind, and that they had visited many, many people like myself who would meet in the future and not be fearful. That was the very first experience I had. There was residue left after the thing had left because they stopped. It was over a victory garden, and for years nothing would grow there. Okay, we move up to 1967. I was on my way to the beach, a beautiful, clear summer day. I go by an area known as the Trap Rock, and there's five men working on a railroad spur that went into that trap, trap rock. They're looking up in the air. So I look up, and I see two huge cylinder-shaped objects that look like brightly polished chrome reflecting sunlight. I knew they were not aircraft immediately because there were no wings, no tail section, no exhaust, and no noise. I pull my car over. I watched as they're, from where I was, they were headed toward New Haven, Connecticut. I watched, and a, a few minutes went by, and two smaller objects dropped out of the belly, the center of these objects. One went toward New Haven, one went in the other direction. Hmm. Okay. Uh, when they were out of sight, I resumed my trip to the beach. I got a couple miles down the road, very rural area, no houses. One of these craft came back. It stopped on the left-hand side of the road. It stopped several feet above the ground. 
And this is all conscious memory. Next thing I know, there's a blinding red light, uh, something you could compare to like a ruby rod laser, very intense red light. And somehow I was inside that thing. Uh, I don't know actually what the process was, but I ended up inside. There were your typical gray beings inside. They had on red uniforms, and there was a lightning bolt emblem on the left chest. I was put on a table, given a physical exam of sorts. Uh, They took skin samples, nail samples. They scanned me with something like an X-ray machine. They took sperm and not in a very pleasant manner. Next thing I know, I'm in my car. I get to the beach, which was about a half-hour ride, and two and a half to three hours had passed. So for years, I never knew where that time went. 1977, ten years later, I met Betty. So real quick, not to cut you off uh, before you continue, so you had no conscious memory of that part of the of the, of the abduction? Not yeah, I remembered not everything yet. up to the red light. Okay, okay. And that's Continue. where the, the rest came out under hypnosis with MUFON. Uh, ten years later, I met Betty. Now, at the time that that happened, I never t- I only told my parents and my best friend because I didn't want to end up in a mental institution. Um, I thought Betty would be somebody I could talk to. So I had completed a trip around the country with a friend of mine, and we were coming home across the northern tier of the country, and all of a sudden we just decided at a rest area of going to Florida, which is several thousand miles out of our way. We got to Florida, meet my friend's uh, sister-in-law who lived there. She told me about a woman she worked with that had had a UFO experience. Mm-hmm. So I said, I have to talk to her because I've kept this inside for so long. And it bothered me that part of my life was missing. I went down to talk to Betty. She wouldn't talk to me because Raymond Fowler told her, beware of reporters and whatnot. Mm. So I finally convinced her to have lunch the next day and I, that I was not a reporter. And from that time forward, I've been buying her lunch. Now, <laughs> every everyone it turned knows, out pretty. It, it turned out pretty well for you, though. <laughs> yeah, it did. Now, every a lot of people are, are aware of her story, but what what happened was, once the first book came out about, which was almost totally about her experiences, mm-hmm. the government unleashed on us. And when I say unleashed, we had four IRS or three or four IRS audits in a row. Our telephone was tapped. Uh, black, unmarked helicopters overflew our house on a regular basis, and they showed up anywhere we went. They knew where we were. It didn't matter if we were in New Hampshire, Connecticut, Florida. They would show up. And uh, our mail, any mail we got from out of the country was open. I did complain to the postmaster uh, about that. So, and we were followed by cars that um, came, the license plates came back as unregistered. I gave the license plate numbers to police officer, uh, police lieutenant Larry Fawcett, who was also a UFO investigator, and they came back as unissued plates. So, you know, this is government interference. Mm-hmm. The FBI, uh, when they showed up at my job, Betty and I had left in the middle of the night, went to Florida, didn't tell anybody, so they lost track of us. When we got back, uh, the people at work told me what happened, so Betty and I went to the FBI office, and they 
said they could neither confirm nor deny that it was them, but obviously they had photo ID and the people that I worked with had confirmed in writing that it was FBI people that were there. While we were there, I said, hey, why are you guys tapping our telephone? And they said, well, in your case, it's not us, it's Air Force Intelligence. Oh, wow. Okay. So well, did you get that in writing? Yeah, uh, they don't put Good too much that, in writing. Yeah, no kidding. And but we, I tell you, we did have some fun with this because, you know, Betty and I were not going to be intimidated. Uh, I called the CIA. I told them that we were doing a book on UFOs, and I wanted an interview. They refused. I challenged the FBI to debate us on television, not about what happened to us, but about their own documents that I had in my possession. They would not. The uh, administrator of NASA literally ran out of his office on us when we appeared there and asked for a an interview because we were doing a book. And we were told at the guard station to walk down to where his office was, which was quite a walk from where we were. We got there, and he was in. We got there. We were told we would be granted an interview. We were met at the door by a visibly nervous secretary who said he was no, he was no longer in. Uh, I had called the Pentagon many times to try to find out whose helicopters were overflying our, our house. What, was, what answers would they give you? I mean, it kept happening over and over again. They, well, but finally, they told me nobody there would talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> now, the thing is, I recorded all these conversations. I still have them to this day on tape. But we also, we had a little fun with this, because these helicopters that would come over uh, would come over so low. I mean, the, the windows in the house would vibrate. Some of the neighbors actually documented the times of the flights and all. And did you video record any of these helicopters uh, flying well, by? We did not have a video camera then. This, this was back in 1980. Oh, uh, 80 yeah, yeah. They were but really expensive have, back then. I do have hundreds of pictures. Okay. And uh, I put several of them on our uh, website, andreasinaffair.com. Mm. And also, people can see the documents there, um, the conversations I've had with the government. What they did, uh, I actually caught the United States Navy Space Weapons Division hacking into my computer. 48 hours later, the Army hacked into my computer. Uh, I had been a computer technician for Gateway. I had very good security, and I caught them red-handed, so to speak, with their hand in the cookie jar. So I wrote to the Navy and the Army, asked them why they were hacking my computer. I got a response from the Army Inspector General admitting that these were, in fact, Department of Defense computers, one belonging to the Navy, the other to the Army, huh. that, they, that they do an investigation, and they never did. So I filed Freedom of Information Act request to get the information. How did you track their IP address? That's how you, that's how you got them? Yeah, the IP address, and then you go to who's who and right. who is. And right, right. Right. I got, this, <laughs> this, I got the street address, the computer ID, the operator number, I mean, uh, the fact that it was the Department of Defense computers. So I had all the information I needed, so I thought, well, nothing happened. So I went to my state senator, this is some time later, and I asked him to pass these Freedom of Information Act requests on my behalf. He did. 
the story came back now, oh, we can't find the documents, you know, just like the IRS. <laughs> okay, you can't find the documents. <laughs> so then I went to the United States Attorney General, and I said, this is a crime. I want this investigated by your office. And they wrote me back and said, well, this is a federal crime, so it has to be investigated by the FBI. So I just recently wrote the FBI, and uh, I haven't heard anything yet. I sent them, of course, all the mail I send to these people, I send certified with a return receipt. So we're waiting to hear, you know, if the FBI is going to do anything, because it's a federal crime. I have an admission from the Department of Defense that it was their computers. Now, did you get the, uh, the ranking uh, officer who spoke to you and his name and rank and everything? Oh, yeah, it was the Inspector General. Oh, it's, oh wow, yeah. That's yeah, and, I, and it's it's a it's a signed document, so uh, you know no problem there. But as I started to tell you, we Betty and I did not we weren't going to be beat down and and ridiculed and stuff like that. So one of the things that happened when we lived in Cheshire, I had a friend that was in the military, and he built me an exact replica of a surface-to-air missile. So oh, okay, said, we're going to have a little fun with these guys now. <laughs> I, like I had, I had flown I had flown over the house myself. At that time, I was taking uh, lessons for my pilot's license, so I knew what they could see. And little time passed, and sure enough, here we hear the typical blades of a Huey UH-1 helicopter coming from the north side of our house. Well, I knew he was low, and I knew how long it would be before he could see into the backyard. So we took this missile out, and we set it up on a cement pad in the back. <laughs> and it was an exact replica. That guy came over, cleared the roof, and all of a sudden we were looking. That helicopter pulled into a very sharp right-hand turn, an evasive maneuver. I mean, I thought he was going to pull the blades off the thing. So he was looking at our yard, there's no doubt now. And I told Betty, I said, you know, I, said, I bet you this guy's headed back for a shower and a change of clothing. <laughs> Definitely change of drawers. Yeah, but and, hang on. How many, how many people happen to just by chance have a surface-to-air missile lying around in their backyard? I mean, there's only so many things you can buy on eBay. I mean, yeah. come on, really? Maybe that's why they're watching. Well, the other the other thing that that, that made him nervous was when I looked at him through the scope of my thirty out six. They also didn't like that too much. Now, I have nothing against the guys that are flying these helicopters because they're doing what they were ordered to. Right, doing their job. I I used to give them a single finger wave when they went over, things like that, but (laughs) just to let them know that, you know, I knew what what they were up to. But uh, on some occasions, uh, one time we were up in Massachusetts on Route 2, very rural area. Two of them came up from a field and passed over the front of my car at like 50 feet. And if you don't think that's intimidating... Uh, it is. Now, that's that's scary more than anything else. Well, yeah. there's no doubt this was for intimidation because Betty and I were doing a lecture in Phoenix, Arizona, and an, a man, obviously military, approached me during a break. And he had, you know, crew cut, short hair, uh, shirt straight, buttoned straight down the front to the center of his belt buckle, sharply creased pants, highly polished black shoes. And he said to me, you know, we're only sending the helicopters so we don't have to hurt you. But, oh, okay, thank you. <laughs> On another occasion, Betty and I were... Uh, well, you're just going to give me a heart attack from all the helicopters because that's, that's scary in itself. Well, 
I'm too stupid to get scared. <laughs> what can I tell you? <laughs> uh, Betty was at uh, Betty and I were at MIT doing a lecture there, and Dr. J. Allen Hynek, who was the spokesman for Project Blue Book before he he uh, left and opened the Center for UFO Studies, rushed over to Betty during a break, didn't have a conversation with her, but told her right out. He he said, "Stick to philosophy and leave the military out of this." So that was another warning. And then we, yeah, and then we had some kooky phone calls, you know, people threaten to beat you, stuff like that. I recorded those too, but that that never bothered us. But anyway, all, what what brought this all about was Betty is an excellent amateur artist. When she did the uh, hypnosis uh, for MUFON and all, she had seen the inside of the craft. She had seen the propulsion system, and she drew the propulsion system, and also diagrams of, of everything that she did what see I and experience. Yeah, right. I Actually, I want, to, I want to interject here for a second, because Betty's story is a little bit different from your story, uh, Robert, and, and the type of beings that, that you saw, Betty, were, uh, in fact, one was described as beings of light, correct? Yeah. Well, yeah, I saw that, too, as well as she did, but the when the... When the the tall beings, the ones uh-huh. you mentioned in the beginning, when they told me you do not die, Elders. that was an the experience Elders. when both of us were taken together right. out of our home. But I'm going to let, uh, let you now, let Betty tell you how this started in 1967, which okay. was the, her main adult encounter. And that's what got the ball rolling because that's what the book was about in the beginning. Yeah, that was the Andreasen affair. It's out there right now for people uh, to look into it. They may mm-hmm. be able to purchase it or go to the library. They may have them there. But it was in 1967, and what happened was my now my ex-husband uh, had had an accident. He was in the hospital, and my mother and father came to stay with me uh, to help out with my seven children and I. And it was evening, and we were all sitting in the living room when suddenly uh, the, the television went off, the lights went out, and we saw a reddish-orange light coming through the pantry window. And uh, immediately my father and I thought, "Uh uh-oh, either the police or uh, the fire department were out there. So unknown to me, my father had rushed past me and gone into the pantry area. And the thing is, the pantry area was a little bit separated. There was a half wall there. So I couldn't actually see where he was, but he was at that wall, at the window, looking out to the side. And actually, he was the first to see the beings coming down the hill. And uh, uh, he described them as if they were uh, children dressed up in costumes, moon man costumes, hopping down the hill. And it was at that point, I wasn't aware my father was over there. The next thing I knew, there would be five beings entering my home right through the door in the kitchen. And uh, they were talking to me through the mind. And uh, at first I was frightened, but um, I read the Word of God and uh, the scripture entertained the strangers for it may be angels unaware came into my mind. And all of a sudden I felt peace and love present. And it seemed as if they wanted something, and I thought it was food, but it turned out not to be that. They wanted knowledge tried by fire. And the only thing I could think of was the Bible. It's been around forever. So uh, we went into the living room, and there was an exchange of books 
at that time. My mother and the children were all sitting on the couch, and I was kind of concerned because they were in a state of suspended animation. Uh, the being uh, who said his name was Glasgow raised uh, my daughter Becky out of that suspended state. She couldn't move very much, but she did see what was going on because uh, I handed him the Bible, and in turn he put his hand over it and three other smaller Bibles or books appeared. He passed them to the three that were beside him. They were consuming uh, whatever it was. It was uh, the pages went by one after another, and they were white light, and you could tell that they were consuming the whatever the information, the information. from it right. uh, uh, with their eyes. And hmm. at that particular point... Like a form of uh, speed reading or just... Different type I, yeah, of data the, it was the pages were just turning all on their own. Oh they my, were, okay. They were light, yeah, and it seemed as if they were consuming whatever that information of light was in it, because you know angels uh, want to know what uh, the Father God is up to. Uh, you know, they don't have all the information that people might think they have. And even the Word of God says that. Yeah, but if they're reading the Bible, the information that they're getting might be a little out of date for current times. Right, right. That's that's true. And that's why uh, the only thing is I think that they would probably know all the different scriptures, you know, once they consume the the, the Word. And Right. I mean, they would, it, you would figure they're angels. They would know this information already. Right. Well, no, there are different levels of angels, and these were like gray watchers, the watchers. And uh, I'll explain what they looked like. They had large, bulbous heads with dark black eyes, and uh, they wore a suit, a blue suit, and had a belt and a sash across its chest. And there was an emblem on one of the arms. It looked like a bird, and they wore boots. Um, but that's what they looked like. I just, why I felt they were angels is because of the scripture that went into my mind. And I know that God was watching over me and my family anyway, and believe it today. And so anyways, what happened was uh, there was an exchange of a thin, the, I passed the Bibles to, uh, to him, and he passed them to the three with him. And then he had a thin blue book that he passed me, and he said it was an initiative initiation and that I was supposed to uh, look at all the pages and grasp as much information as I possibly could from it. There were strange writings and there were drawings of pictures of I think part of uh, the craft was also involved there but anyways that's what had happened. Uh, after that I put the book down on the counter and uh, we left the living room. My daughter was put back in a state of suspended animation with the rest of my family. We went into the kitchen and we went out the door, right through the wooden door. Uh, they, we did not open it, just went right through. And we went around to the side and there was the craft in the back, just sitting there. And the leader, Quasgar, just waved his hand and underneath, uh, became transparent or the shell became transparent and I could see what the craft looked like. Um, there were the huge crystal balls on the end with these um, uh, metal armatures with a crystal ball on top and a 
crystal wheel that went around a tube. And they had told me also when I was aboard the craft uh, that they used um, mercury. mercury and a gel in order to uh, for their flight. And today, I believe there is something like that being done. But yeah, they're they're experimenting with rotating liquid mercury in an enclosed tube at high RPMs, like around 50,000, 60,000 RPM, and supposedly it negates about 89% of the effect of gravity. I've heard that theory as well, and I've, you know, I've, there, there, I don't know if there's some truth to it or not, but, you know, high speed, you know, using the mercury fluid at a high speed, um, I've heard of that before. Well, the, the strange thing is, is just uh, recently, my daughter was wondering about the old house in South Ashburnham where the cellar door was located outside. Both her and her brother were talking about it. And after uh, she was, re continued to talk about as they were kids, and they found mercury over in uh, by the cement wall that atta was attached to the regular garage and they were playing with it she said they were swishing it back and forth in their hands when i i heard of that i i thought oh my word being poisoned you know but the children were all right as she spoke to her brothers and sisters and they also remembered doing the same thing so how that ever got there i don't know unless the craft had hovered over there because it was dark in that area had hovered there until it and something either leaked or they uh, released some uh, of that mercury. I don't know, but it's a strange place to find mercury anyway. Yeah, know. no kidding. And so it was only a short distance to to um, very short distance to where the house was in the backyard where the craft landed. There's one thing I'd like to interject here too, Ben Rich who was the head of Skunk Works, where some of our most exotic weapons and aircraft come from, said before he retired, he made a statement that we have the technology today to bring E.T. home. And when you look at that, along with statements made by Herman Oberth, who was the head of the Nazi rocket program, when after the war he was asked how they had such advanced technology, he publicly stated that he said we had help and when they said help from who he said help from the people from other worlds and then you got people like Warner von Braun uh, Gordon Cooper president uh, Carter president Reagan I mean the technology available in right now is far beyond what the average public is aware of and a lot of it did come from UFO craft that have been back engineered it's just that the government is not going to tell us because the people in power want to stay in power. And if tomorrow we didn't need oil anymore or the electric company anymore, it would be a problem for them, those that are in power. Do you really think that that is uh, the main reason? I think there's uh, even more sinister well, reasons well, than just the, uh, well, the free let me, energy. Let me give you a quick example. When I was in Florida, I worked for a company. Mm -hmm. uh, I was a uh, hydrogen fuel cell research technician. This company developed a unit you could put in your home, and it made uh -huh. heat, hot water, and electricity. It was ready to go into production. It had been thoroughly tested. Okay? Along comes the oil companies, and boom, we all get a mass layoff. 
and have to sign confidentiality agreements. Now, the interesting thing is, this was in 2001 or the beginning of 2002. You cannot find those anywhere in the United States, but there are over 100,000 similar units in use right now in Japan that have been produced by a Japanese company that are very similar to what we were working on. Hmm. Now, if everybody put those in their home and you didn't need to buy oil anymore to heat your house in the winter and you could disconnect from the power companies, um, a lot of people would be out of money and power. And that's well, that's just, definitely true. Yeah, that's true. That's just a small example. So mm-hmm. you can imagine if we got the kind of power or energy that the, the UFOs are using, uh, those that are in power today wouldn't be in power tomorrow. Yeah, but you'd uh, figure they're... Wishful thinking. Yeah, but you'd also figure that with that kind of technology, they, the powers that be would find a way to regulate it, tax it, and make money off of it. There, there always will be a, a platform that's going to be needed to, you know, Put some other form of energy out there uh, for people to consume and use, uh, whether it is electric, wind, power, solar power, oh. anything UFO related that we back engineered. Uh, there still has to be a platform set up by individuals to make that accessible for the rest of the planet. So oh, I'm pretty sure they'll figure out a way to make money off of it. I mean, this is the United States government. We yeah, make money off of water. <laughs> it, like, think about this, for example. Somebody had a bright idea 30, 40 years ago, whatever it was, 30 years ago, to put water in a bottle and sell it. I mean, the oh, most oh, abundant oh, oh, resource oh, 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 on the planet. i got to interrupt you on that you know, one. I'm so, sorry. You, you, I just read an article not two days ago. Uh, talking about California's water shortages, uh-huh. but the Nestle plant that bottles the water for the Nestle branded products, do uh-huh. you know that for every, they only pay for every 430 gallons, 67 cents? Uh-huh. I, I believe it. And they, then they charge you a buck. And then they charge you a buck, not per gallon, but no, no, for a little bottle of water. Exactly, it's it's a huge industry. But the point is that somebody had that bright idea. Let's charge them for water, the the number one resource on the planet. That it's free. Let's charge it for them. Do you know what the two most expensive liquids are in on the planet? What's that? Honey, by the gallon. Oh, by the gallon. Yeah, yeah. And water. Those are the two most expensive liquids in the world. And the the water is going to get more expensive as time. Oh yeah, it's going to be water. The next major war is going to be over water. Has to be. Yeah. Yeah. I I see that happening. Yeah. But the uh, the other thing is though, like if if somebody developed what Tesla had in mind, where you can't Mm -hmm. meter it, that would kind of mess them up a bit. <laughs> well, actually, they are working on similar Tesla, similar technology to what Tesla was working on at the end there. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, wireless power, which is basically wireless electricity, is what he was working on. Uh, there are companies working on that still today. Obviously, it's hard technology to master, uh, but there are now phones that you could wirelessly charge them. So, I mean, the technology is almost right. there. Well, so no, far don't forget, you can wirelessly charge them, but you got to put it on the transfer plate that's right smack. Right, but, it's, but there's no wires here, so you're still charging, through, you know, a different form. So, I mean, the technology is getting there. That's the point. But, I mean, can you imagine that kind of technology? Uh, that would be an amazing way to get off of fossil fuels and whatnot. Sure. Uh, well, every, look, all the electricity comes from a rotating magnetic field, and that's right. what the Earth is. Yeah. So, right. We just have to figure out how to tap it. <laughs> that's basic. That's the basic gist of it. Yeah, no, that's, that's it right there. 
It, it's a, it was only that simple to actually do. Well, you know, Tesla lit up a whole bunch of light bulbs 25 miles from his transformer in Colorado without any wires. It's a shame that the way Tesla ended, considering the fact that we have everything we have today in part thanks to Absolutely. Tesla. Absolutely. I mean, if it wasn't for him, electricity wouldn't be here, lights wouldn't be here, the Internet would never exist. You know, yeah. a lot of these things that we take for granted is all thanks to him. He's really the, I think, the greatest inventor that ever lived, yes. to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Well, getting back to... The, what, what, I didn't mean to interrupt her, Betty. I was just trying to bring forth the, you know, what would happen if that technology. And as I said, she had drawn everything mm-hmm. she saw, even the propulsion system. And one other thing I'll mention here: one one of our residences was broken into when we were gone, uh-huh. and there was inside there was uh, some cash, the computers, cameras, firearms. All that was taken was some drawings of the internal part of the craft that she had drawn. And huh. uh, I had to call the state police because we were in a rural area. And they filled out a report. I told the trooper that we were heavily involved in the UFO phenomena, that I believed it was government a government agency. And he said, look, he said, if I find anything out, I will tell you no matter what. They never called later, that? No, a week later <laughs> I went down to his office and he had been transferred, and the person that was there, the trooper that replaced him, said he didn't know where uh, he'd been transferred to. Which happens often. And, and that, o- that often that also happened to me yes. with an F- FAA agent that drove all the way down from Boston to our home to look into the black helicopter situation. He got transferred between the weekend and Tuesday. So Wow. <laughs> so, if anything, so if anything happens to me and Alan here, we know why. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. We had Robert and Betty on the show. Uh, listen, we got to hit the commercial break. It was break great here. knowing you. You'll see me on another show at another time slot with someone else and a totally different name. That's right, host. Yes, and I'll be somewhere in a, in a cave, just screaming and crying. Well, the Grays are trying to get me. Hey, they got bunker busters to find you. Yeah, there. okay. Listen, we got to go to a quick commercial break. We're going to uh, pause right now. Uh, we'll be back in a couple minutes after commercial. We'll open lines. If anybody does want to call in and ask uh, Robert and Betty anything, please do so. Seven eight six two four five eight one two seven. This is Space hey, Boy. We'll be right back. What, yeah. By the way, what time are we doing? James Swagger, host of Capricorn Radio. I'm also an author, engineer, and researcher. Capricorn Radio covers alternative history, alternative science, philosophy, and truth-oriented discussions. We are proud to be on the Dark Matter Radio Network live at 8 p.m. Saturdays, Eastern Standard Time. You can catch extra info on darkmatterradio.net, jameswagger.com for yours truly, CapricornMembers.com for the archives. Don't forget, truth is not democratic. Truth is truth. The U.S. 
dreadful phenomenon either we like it or not. It's already very much part of our reality. I've been on panels with uh, military people who, you know, claim that they've seen the aliens buzzing our missile silos. They had very large eyes, and you know, I found their stare extremely difficult to bear. This is Martin Willis, the host of Podcast UFO, and we are here on the Dark Matter Radio Network every Wednesday from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It is my commitment to bring you an entertaining weekly show that takes a hard look at the UFO phenomena. Are they extraterrestrial? Well, are they interdimensional? Are they time travelers or something we have not even thought of yet? We explore these questions with interesting guests and witnesses from all around the globe. In addition, we bring you weekly UFO news with Open Minds TV, Alejandro Rojas. Thank you for listening, and remember, keep your eyes to the sky. Hello, my name is Howard Hughes, and I'm in London, and I've been proud to bear this name all my life. Over here in the UK, I'm known as a broadcast journalist. I've been involved in some of the big stories of our time. The fall of the Berlin Wall. The death of Princess Diana. I told London about that. And on the first and second anniversaries of 9-11, I was there at Ground Zero, speaking to the people who were directly involved and those experiences I will never forget. So news is my thing. But my great love is my show, the one that I produce, The Unexplained. Over the years on this show, I've spoken to people like the late Al Bielik from the Philadelphia Experiment, Edgar Mitchell, the amazing Apollo astronaut, Dr. Stephen Greer, David Icke, and Uri Geller. People like Richard C. Hoagland have become personal friends over the years. I met him in London. So you can see that these sort of topics are what I like to discuss. Please join me on my show from London, The Unexplained, Monday nights on the Dark Matter Network. This is James Swagger, host of Capricorn Radio. I'm also an author, engineer, and researcher. Capricorn Radio covers alternative history, alternative science, philosophy, and truth-oriented discussions. We are proud to be on the Dark Matter Radio Network, live at 8 p.m. Saturdays, Eastern Standard Time. You can catch extra info on darkmatterradio.net, jameswagger.com for yours truly, and capricornmembers.com for the archives. Don't forget... Truth is not democratic. Truth is truth. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application, Mobile Talk Radio. Imagine having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. You'll be surprised how easy it is to use. So I think what's going on here is that Obama is banking on unemployment falling. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Talk Stream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store.
Seems like it's from home All on my own, they say Separated by fools Who don't know all right, everybody, we're back on Skywatchers Radio, and we've been talking to Robert and Betty Luca and hearing their amazing tale of abduction, harassment by the government, and it just a, really just a fascinating, fascinating story that the two of you have lived with uh, your entire lives. And as we found out, it, it started for both of you at a really, really young age, mm-hmm. and it, it's continuing on through the, you know, your entire life. And as we were talking off air here, uh, it's slowed down recently, but it's still happening. And you, you folks are definitely, uh, you know, you, you do believe that they're now tapping your computers and all sorts of stuff. As I mentioned off air, um, how much do you think this would kind of connect to the Mirage Men uh, movie and what was happening with Paul Benowitz and Richard Doughty? Uh, I know there was, you know, your case spanned, you know, so many years that everyone right through that era also. Uh, do you think there is an exercise uh, by the government uh, to well, they, they go ridic- after and harass a bunch of people like yourselves and Paul Benowitz. Oh, they want to. They want to harass people. Um, they want to. They want to ridicule you. But the difference is, we don't bend to that stuff because we started to investigate the government. And as I said, the CIA backed down from an interview with us. The FBI refused uh, to to do a TV show with us on their own documents. And they didn't like that. And then one of the helicopters that I took a photo of over our house, uh, I sent it to Kodak, and I had it blown up to 20 by 40. I didn't get it back. I sent it to Kodak in Boston. I got it back six weeks later with a Washington, D.C. postmark, and I put it on network television, and the flight stopped for about between seven to ten days. But then Mm. they resumed again. So, see, they don't like it when you push back. You're supposed to just lay down for them and let it go. But that's, you know, that's not our nature, fortunately, or unfortunately for them. And I, I think also the government had something involved with uh, movie rights because uh, we were approached by uh, a number of people wanting to do the movie. However, you... Uh, uh, Universal. Yeah, Universal uh, Studio had bought the rights to it, and they shelved it. And now they're saying they want a million dollars. Yeah, to buy the rights back. (laughs) Wow, are you serious? They want want you to pay them a million dollars? Yeah, they invested about about 200,000 or so to buy it, and now they want a million dollars to purchase it back when it's been sitting on their shelf dormant for... 30 years or whatever. So hold, so hold on. So you don't even have the right to make the film because they bought the rights. Right. Yeah. And they think wow. they own all the rest of the books because they're calling them characters. Wow. <laughs> five books out there. Right now, Bob and I uh, are writing a book together. And because after the five books, I've had another experience with the one. And I figure, well, the world must want to know about the information because what was told to me, I've chosen you to show the world. And, and so I feel obligated to get that information out. And Bob and I really don't have all that much to say, but so what we figured we'll do, we'll tell a little bit about our life and a, a little summary of each encounter we have had. And uh, that is how the book will be. And we've named it Lifting the Veil. That's a great name. Thank you. That is a great name. It reminds me of Art Bell back in the '90s when he would talk about the veil dropping mm. in this entire field, and uh, and 
the paranormal in general. Uh, lifting the veil. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. I like yeah, that. I like, I like it. You know, it, it's terrible that you don't have the rights to make the to make the film yourselves well, or, or find your own studio. That's horrible. But look, following what happened to Travis Walton in his uh, film, maybe it's a good thing because Hollywood tends to butcher reality when they make these movies. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. And if if one was ever done, we would want it done done accurately, um, because the story itself, it, it, there's just so much to it. it I. People have a right to know that this stuff That's is true. going on. Yeah. One of the reasons that we're that we're doing what we're doing is because a lot of people are fearful if they have an experience or they're right. afraid to talk about it because the government has done what it's done. So we would just like people to know, you know, don't feel afraid, don't feel alone. You're not crazy if you have one of these experiences. Right. So, right. You know, so that, that they'll know that they they have uh, someone to look another story to look at or other people are having these things so happen so you know they don't have to be so worried about it now robert i'm being asked here on uh, facebook if uh, you or betty have ever taken polygraph tests like travis has uh, uh before the book was ever, before the book was ever done betty uh was mm-hmm. subjected to uh, PSC stress evaluation test, psychological evaluation, psychiatric evaluation, background investigations, you know, all of that. A whole bunch of stuff. Hmm. And it, that's and how did uh you know what was the results in some of these? Did you get any inconclusive results or I mean did, no no was it the passing? No, it was all positive. Matter of fact, the psychiatrist came to visit us. Um, I think a couple years after the initial um, exam. He was in the area, so he wanted to stop in at our house and visit. He came down. We met him about nine o'clock at night, and he ended up staying till five thirty in the morning. And while he said he would trust Betty as much as he would trust the president with what she was saying, and the other thing, while he was there, fortunately, he he himself witnessed a couple of paranormal occurrences. While we were in the living room, about eleven thirty, twelve or midnight. There was a very loud crash in the kitchen. Now, there was just the three of us in the house. We all went out to look. There was nothing moved, nothing disturbed, and so that's something he witnessed himself. Then when he was going home in the morning, we were standing out in the yard. It was about 5.30, quarter to 6. It was just starting to get light, and there was a huge cigar-shaped cloud that stopped in the area of our house almost over it. It had to be... Uh, judging by the length of a drag strip, I'd say close to a, a quarter of a mile uh, long, and it was very thick in the center and toward the edges. Like cloud. Uh, yeah, you could see through stars just a little bit through the edges. Like the mist. So we were standing there talking, and finally he looked at me. He said, did you see that? I said, yeah, but I wasn't going to say anything until you saw it first. <laughs> but he had high credentials. Yeah, he he was uh, an MD, a psychiatrist. He had a degree in aeronautical engineering. Um, so he's a pretty good guy. And all of the investigators, I mean, there were physicists, aeronautical engineers, communication specialists. Ray Fowler, the author, had been with the Air Force and the National Security Agency. I mean, all these people were highly qualified. So we we don't have any problem answering questions on anything. No, the fact that they're highly highly qualified individuals, I mean, that 
I can't again. You know, these, this lends to the credibility of the case. I mean, this mm-hmm. has to be something you could use to to show credibility. Uh, could people access some of the uh, the data that was you know collected in some of the the investigations with you guys? Well, is that, that all and, stuff in the books, or that it, it, there's quite a bit of it in the books? The, all the different questions that were asked and the answers that came forward. There was there was so much information over uh-huh. over a period of years. There's five different books that Ray Fowler did. Uh, and the investigation lasted for years. Uh, the uh, uh, police officer, Larry Fawcett, he came mm-hmm. into the case believing that we were uh, pu- putting forth a hoax. And he told Ray Fowler, he said, if I detect that this is a hoax, he said, I'm, I'm going to make it public. So he would question us. He'd, call, he'd stop at the house and visit. He'd call up at all hours. And he'd question and question. And finally, he figured out for himself, well, everything's consistent. And after a couple of years, he, he said, you know, this is genuine. This happened. I can't break, he couldn't break anything in, in the story or the consistency. Or, right. Uh, there was also some supporting evidence. Um, like I mentioned where the thing took place when I was a child, there's mm-hmm. an area in that victory garden would never grow again. Now, that coupled with when I uh, was interviewed by MUFON, they brought in a psychic that was well-known. That had wait a been... minute, wait a minute. MUFON brought in a psychic? Yeah, the investigators. It, it could happen. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, the woman, this is a very <laughs> credible person. She, she worked for the government to try to track Soviet submarines. Now, remember, we're going back to the 80s. Uh, uh-huh. she, she worked with the uh, state and local police uh, on some cases. She does psychometry. No, she was a psychic, or was she like a remote viewer type no, of psychic? No, she's a psychic. Okay, hardcore psychic. She, okay. does, she does psychometry. From my jackknife, now this is the first time I ever met this woman. She repeated the whole scenario as it happened when I was five years old. Wow. Not only that, she said, I see pipes and vines by a garage, and I thought, well, she's off on some things because there's no pipes or vines there. Later on, when I had talked to my own mother, she said, oh, yeah, your grandfather had put up a pipe arbor, and there were grapevines out there. I didn't even huh. know that. So, I mean, that's a little more um, confirmation for me. That's pretty good details, yeah. That's pretty good detail. It's and there impressive. were things that affected we haven't even got into. When uh, We had an incident in our car where the compass, the car was parked, facing due north. We had an experience that happened during the night. In the morning, the compass was pointing almost east, and the digital clock, which was set by the radio the day before, had gained 20 minutes. Now, electrical engineers I talked to said this can't happen and said possibly by some type of electromagnetic pulse. Uh, On another occasion... Betty had had an experience during the day where we were. There were two huge maple trees behind the uh, RV. We were at a campground. And the leaves on the top of those maple trees had turned brown, but the bottom was still green. And we were able to get two electrical engineers to come in and take a look and and get their thoughts. Also, the water pump in that uh, RV had burned out, even though we were on campground water, and I had the switch taped in the off position so no one could hit it accidentally. It actually burned out the pump and melted the wires going to it. Huh. So there were different physical things that happened as well, 
And many of these things were witnessed by the investigators, by neighbors, by family. I mean, it's not just us saying these things are happening. Right, right, right. Collaborative witnesses. Uh, Here's a a question for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, At the end of the day, you know, what is a conclusion the the two of you are coming up with uh, as to why this is happening to you? Uh, Have you given uh, given a a solid reason why this keeps happening? The the abduction scenario itself. The abduction. Well, first off, it it runs in family lines. Mm -hmm. Now, in my case, which I've heard many times. Yes. In 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 my my case, my mother remembered seeing the inside of a craft, but she would never undergo hypnosis. She was scared to death of it. And I believe Betty's mother also had an experience yeah. uh, with some strange And beings. she was scared to death of And it. I think because of what we saw or experienced or were told by these beings, this is why the government got so heavily involved. I'll tell you, I would love to have the money that the government spent keeping us under surveillance. Uh, <laughs> It would be beautiful. We'd build a huge house and a pool <laughs> no and all kidding. kinds of stuff. <laughs> you know how you know how many homeless people can be fed and, and clothed oh, and, and sheltered with that kind of money. Oh, jeez, unbelievable! You can cure diseases. And, and, and probably the thing is, with that if, they had, if they had come to us like human beings and said, "Look, we're interested in what you saw and or whatever," you know, we would have sat down, talked to them, told them the whole bit. Which begs the question: Why? Why do you think that is the case? Why do you think they didn't do that? Well, because they've been saying for years that they don't investigate the phenomenon and that there's nothing to it and it presents no threat to national security. So, you know... Not yeah, but not- you're, you're an individual. You and Betty are two individuals. If the government comes to you in a, on a peaceful way and tell you, look, you know, you got to keep the secret, but we we're very interested in your case. Uh, we want to know more. We want to try to help. And they do it in that way. I mean, you're not going to go blabbering to the what media. You know, you're going to take it seriously. Fine with it. But you got two right. words there that don't go together. It's government and help. <laughs> That's true. That's where the That's problem true. is. I saw yes. that one coming, folks. Yeah, I kind of walked right into that one. <laughs> We've learned from experience that that just, as nice as it sounds, it just doesn't happen. It's a great fairy tale, right? Like Santa Claus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look at Obamacare. That's great help. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Do okay, we really? Listen, listen, we got 15 minutes left. We don't want to go on that conversation there. No, no, we don't. No. What do you think the aliens think of Obamacare? Uh, I don't know. I, I, know <laughs> I, I know that one thing they told Betty was that mankind is going in the wrong direction. Yeah. Now, I have told you that one, actually. To lose all. You, know, you know that Betty was a, a student of the Bible for years. Mm-hmm. I, was totally, right. I was totally opposite. All I wanted to do when I was younger was raise hell, build race cars, and things like that. That's how we got behind some of the cars that were chasing us and got the uh, license plate numbers. <laughs> but, um, really, I thought you were running moonshine, but okay. <laughs> well, I, I, no, I did that. I did that. I made some. I, I A few years ago. I ran yeah. it, but I made some, too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, that explains yeah, the whole no. entire situation that you've had. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know it was a little bit. No, more, no, no, no. It was a little he bit didn't... more than that. Eighty proof, huh? No, we've determined <laughs> Actually, that moonshine causes Bigfoot. That's the, the best, difference. The best you can get out of the still is 190 proof, and then you cut it from there. You know, it's. I'm surprised no one's actually made a moonshine or a vodka that's 180 proof and just called it abduction. Yeah, that that's would, a great uh, idea. You know, we we live we live in an area now. I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show Moonshiners. No, can't say. I have. Okay. Well, I saw it once. Yeah. Well, we live in that area. Yeah. And there are, we, as a matter of fact, some property we purchased a couple years yeah. ago. Cat. I I gave a police officer permission to hunt there, 
And he said, I asked him, you want a map? Said, oh, no. He says, I know the place. He says, we just knocked off a still before you bought the place. <laughs> it's like okay. it's like that that show. It's like it's like, hey, Bubba, look over there. There's yeah. a police officer looking for us, but he can't find us, even though this giant crew of filmmakers with the lights and everything yeah. <laughs> to shine on, so they could actually get on my good side. They can't see us. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that that's like that's like that uh, Miami Towing Company. Uh, that Miami Towing Company company show where you have all the irate customers coming in. How dare you draw? Yeah, you lifted my Lamborghini. You took my. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh god, really? Yeah. It never happens. Well, it, like that. it gets it gets <laughs> it gets a lot of viewers, so you know it works yeah. for them. All yeah, for the power uh, of ratings. Yeah, yeah no exactly. Yeah. But uh, there there are a lot of. Actually, still a lot of stills in operation around the area where yeah. we live here. Yeah, but we don't. Robert, have that. real quick, uh, not to segue, but real quick, um, I wanted to ask you uh, this. Uh, you know, being that you've been, uh, you know, talking about this for a long time, and you've, you've really have experienced a lot in the last thirty, forty, fifty yeah. years. Yeah. Uh, during the time now, have you seen a gradual change yourself? with the way society is dealing with folks like yourself that are abductees or, or experiencers, uh, aside from the government and the harassment that's been going on in that area, uh, but the way that you're treated on a daily basis by friends, family, co-workers, or, you know, trusted, you know, associates, uh, or people in general in the media or people like us that approach you to do shows and stuff. Has the, the atmosphere changed in the last few years? Absolutely. It's much better. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm. There's something like about 70, I believe it's 70 or 75 percent, of people today believe that UFOs are real and do exist. Right. And I think it's something like 50% believe the government is lying to us. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, even Podesta, who uh, works with the president, yeah. believes yeah, right, in UFOs. Right. Yeah. But, year, you know, years ago, like I said, when that first happened to me, I didn't tell anybody because I was worried that, you know, I'd get maybe put in an institution or sent to a psychiatrist or, you know, who knows. But yeah, today, there was definitely a different stigma back then, wasn't it? Like you immediately thought, well, they're going to think I'm crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's what the government wanted uh, people. To, in fact, they had two people in the town near us selling books, claiming to be us, yeah. making ridiculous claims, and it wasn't us. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that's how far they went, yeah. you know, trying to bring us down. But, now, um, do you think that do you think these tactics are, are still going on with other folks? Uh, because, uh, I mean, this is a pretty extreme operation, and I'm going to call that from the government. Uh, what's happened to the both of you? Uh, this is a pretty extreme case of uh, long-term harassment. Do you think there's a lot of other folks out there that are experience, uh, experiencing a similar situation oh, yeah. that just have not yeah. come forward? It, it may not be as obvious with the helicopters and stuff, but today the surveillance has gotten better. I mean, they can tap your phone without directly yeah. hooking into the line and things like that. You know, so I'm sure that anybody that has an experience, a legitimate experience, is under the watchful eye of Big Brother, plain mm. and simple. Now, when was the last time you've, you two had an actual abductee experience? Well, the, for me, uh, it was uh, 1994. And okay. uh, that is what I'm writing about uh, because I had another experience with a one, and and so did Bob uh, have an experience. Uh, so this is what we're writing about now, and hopefully it will help uh, some people. I know I'm I'm bringing in some things uh, about uh, the father, but. Uh, I will not have it 
published if they remove certain things there because people have to know. Now, do you think that's part of your mission with this whole thing, to get the information yes, out there? Because, yes, because yeah. I heard uh, the one tell me I have chosen you to show the world. I didn't know what it was. I don't know what it is exactly today. Uh, but I went through another experience with the one, and therefore I'm trusting in that, uh, what has been said to me and told to me and placed within me uh, to do the work that I'm supposed to do. No, and this is a little bit far out there of a question, but uh, it's an intriguing one because, you know, a lot of folks like yourself that have come forward over the years with abduction stories, abduction scenarios, or information they've been given from the aliens or from the beings, um, in your case, light beings, uh, a lot of these folks share this one common trait where they're given information that they have to give out to the public uh, to make the world aware of the presence. Uh, is there any other um, abductee that's come forward that you know of that share a similar um, story or a similar uh, scenario with the same race of beings that we might know of? Yeah, I've had some, uh, you know, there has been people contacting me uh -huh. at times for something like that, very similar. However, the thing is, is I try to stay away from uh, the different encounters. I don't know very uh, many people's encounters because hmm. uh, Raymond Fowler told me not to get involved because what is happening to me, let it be what is happening, you know, not uh, being influenced by anybody else's experiences. And another thing that makes, makes it difficult, there are a number of visitors. It's not just one yeah. group. And this confuses the issue because yeah. nobody knows mm -hmm. exactly which group is following which scenario. So it makes it a little difficult. Or which group is telling the truth right. about what's going on and why exactly. they're even doing this. Exactly. Even the government recognizes that there's, there's more than one group, that there's several groups or more visiting. Um, but uh, of course, you'll you'll never hear that. You'll never hear that. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, look how long it's taken for the government to acknowledge that Area Fifty One even exists. Oh sure, and look look at the people that have come forth, like Robert Salas, who was mm -hmm. head of a, a, a nuclear missile group. Who's going to be on this show, by the way, in uh, next couple? Oh, weeks. He's, a, he's a great yeah. guy. He'll, he'll great do guy. a great show. Very good. And also, are you familiar with the Bentwaters case in in of course. Uh, England? Okay, Betty mm -hmm. and I, believe it or not, were the ones that first interviewed Larry Warren, yeah. and when he came to us, he heard us uh, on a radio show or mm -hmm. uh, in a newspaper, and he came to us, he called me at work, he said, I had uh, this experience while I was in the military, and he just had a tooth out, and <laughs> he, you know, he didn't sound no, like... <laughs> He didn't sound too cool when he talked to me. And I thought, oh, boy, this has got to be a nutcase because people would call our work asking if we had used UFOs and stuff like that. Well, anyway, I invited him to the house, and we sat down for hours, and he told us the whole story. Yeah. Now, at the time, it was just Betty and I, and I realized that I didn't have the ability to bring this forth. Right. So I got in touch with Larry Fawcett, who was one of the founders of uh, Citizens Against UFO Secrecy, because uh -huh. they had access to attorneys and whatnot, and that's how the story of Bentwaters was finally broken. Yeah. Yeah. I also, at the time I talked to Larry, I filed on the Air Force, and I wrote the British Ministry of Defense. The Ministry of Defense said it was a hoax that never happened. Uh, the Air Force said the same thing. And now look at today. you got the base deputy base commander playing tapes <laughs> that he recorded at the time. And by the way, after that, we were even more... Uh, 
I think, further removed from the government's Christmas list. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, if disclosure ever happens, I don't think they're going to have you at the front row there. Yeah, yeah not like <laughs> Incidentally, if you ever have a chance to have uh, uh, Larry Warren on, he's a very, very interesting good. guy to talk to. Yeah, he's a nice guy. Larry Warren, I'm going to put him on my uh, list here to have him on. Uh, well, his, speaking his, of disclosure, uh, do, you, do you folks think that is ever going to happen? Full disclosure. Uh, yeah, but I don't. I don't believe it's going to happen by the government. I believe that it's going to happen because there will be no choice when there is an overwhelming number of sightings, and they are getting closer and closer and contacting more people. My question is, it, you know, there's so many races that are coming to Earth, so many different uh, species. Uh, why hasn't one landed somewhere in a, you know, in uh, a city or the White House lawn or somewhere where it can't be disputed or denied that these things are real? Well, we looked at, we, had, we, we had our think tank uh, go through the same scenario. If we went to another planet, how would we approach them? And they pretty much said the same thing, that they'd first be seen at a great distance, and then they'd come closer, finally contact a few people here and there before making an over-disclosure uh, uh, of themselves. And I think they're doing the same thing, it seems like it. The conditioning and process. That makes sense, uh, but that's a long conditioning. We've been talking about... Hundreds well, and hundreds well, of years. In our, life, <laughs> in our lifetime, it's a long time. In theirs, it may not be. Yeah. That's true. It depends on how you look at time itself, I guess. It's yeah, they, the species. Uh, they have a, a totally different perspective of time than what we do. They're, they can actually aren't on linear time like we are because they can go back and forth in time, something we theoretically can accomplish but have not as yet. Well, we're talking about the light beings, correct? Well, no. These are these are the the gray. The gray, the gray now, beings. Okay. It, the gray. The as one of my abduction experiences in '67, one of those gray beings passed by me when I was on that table and literally turned to a being of light as he passed me. That freaked huh. me out more than anything else that I saw in that place. What, what do you think? How do you think that happened? I mean, do you think that the the well, they have it, some it, ability it, to travel through uh, space and time by becoming light beings, and then they can manifest back as grays? Well, they they could be from another dimension. You know, people, like when, when Betty said that she was taken through the door, a lot of people were, how can that be? If you take a nail, a common nail, and apply ultra-high-frequency sound to it, you can put it through a glass without cracking the glass. It's a vibratory rate. So... Mm -hmm. You know, if they, if they come from a different dimension, I'm sure they can manipulate their vibratory rate. Everything, as you know, is made up of atoms, and the space is right. between atoms, so not, you know, nothing is solid. That's so very true. Yeah. It all depends how you look at it and how advanced their technology is. It's sure better than ours. <laughs> well, you would hope so. They come from another <laughs> galaxy somewhere. Uh, it, uh, how much validity do you put to uh, what we were talking about here before we had you on the show where uh, we read a story of uh, you know how hostile they could be if we do make contact with a, a race uh, well, of beings and do you think they might be here to, to eat us at all because I mean that's something that we talked about also that what if we're their lunch sometime and well Betty was told that there is one race that is hostile to man but yeah. the other races will keep them at bay <laughs> oh, okay, good. so we have uh, we have good aliens and we have the bad aliens. Well, Larry Fawcett Makes uh, had actually uh, one of the reports he had was of UFOs that were in an area when a different type of craft approached and literally drove them off. And this is on uh, on record in his files. Larry, unfortunately, has passed away, but he was a police lieutenant and a very thorough investigator. 
and there are cases of UFOs engaging in battle with each other. Huh. And that's been way back, evidently. Fascinating. That's been going on. Fascinating. Uh, listen, we're almost out of time. We're running uh, short here. Uh, please give the audience your website again and how to get the books and uh, how to contact you if uh, they want to uh, you know, book you for a show. Oh, glad to, uh, the uh, website is theandreasonaffair.com. Uh, the new uh, the book that's been reprinted is available from Amazon.com. And uh, on our website, on the home page, you will find Raymond Fowler, the author. Any of the other five books are available from Raymond. He has copy, uh, copies of the back issues. And as far as contacting for shows or anything, uh, that's right on the media area of our uh, website. Robert, Excellent. Betty, you're fascinating uh, individuals, and I'd uh, love to have you both on. And uh, hopefully we can have you back on in the future and oh, talk some more. Thank you so much. You guys are a lot of fun to talk to. Yeah. Believe me, we enjoy doing thank your you. show. It's it was been awesome. a lot of fun, really. It's been, it's been a lot of fun on our end also. Uh, everybody listening, uh, please keep listening. There's more radio coming on the Dark Matter Radio Network and on PSN Radio. We'll be back next week. And, uh, yes, just letting everybody know, we are going to have Robert Salas on on April 22nd. Confirm and he's right. going to be a fun one as well. Too, That's going to be awesome also. So tune in for that on April 22nd. Bookmark it now, everybody. Uh, we'll be back next week, same time on the network, 10 p.m. Eastern to midnight. Good night, everybody. 